You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. Welcome to the Next Trek Podcast. Every week we break down the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery and give our thoughts on the final frontier. My name is Chris. And I'm Tyler. And this week we have a very special guest on the show. You may have seen, if you follow us on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, this last week we were animated, Tyler. Uh, that, that happened. Was crazy. That was the it weirdest w- moment maybe of my life. Well, it was shocking to me. Uh, I wasn't expecting it. Um, uh, A good friend of mine, actually, a business partner that I've worked with for many years, uh, sent this thing to me. And uh, I was uh, I was I was shocked and also amazed that he would spend the time to do this thing. He's just testing it out, I'm sure. But anyway, I was honored. So uh, the animator we have on, uh, it turns out he's a huge Trek fan. And so the animator we have on this week. Hi, Steven. How you doing? I'm doing good. It's good to be here. Yeah, well, thanks for taking the time uh, and and coming on the show this evening, talking a little bit about the third episode of Star Trek Discovery. Before we dive into that, though, I wanted to just get a little bit of background on uh, what what your history with Star Trek has been. Um, when did you start liking the show? How did that come about? Maybe some of your favorite uh, series or characters. Kind of just tell us a little bit about you and Trek. Yeah, um, well, my history with Star Trek is almost... Uh, the length of my lifespan. Uh, I was <laughs> nice. introduced to it when I was very, very young. Um, my dad was into it before I was and showed it to me one night. And I just remember that was... I had I had to learn to stay up late so that I could watch Star Trek. And surprisingly, it was the original series. is the first time I saw Star Trek. Um, and it just fascinated me. Uh, the The fact that this was a show that my dad watched when... He was my age, and uh, it just showed this incredible future. It was so, like, just imaginative and awesome, and I got obsessed with it. Uh, watched TOS, was obsessed with it. Came on, like, super late at night, like, one in the morning or something like that. So I'd always try my best to, like, as a small, small child, <laughs> stay up late so I could watch this show. Uh, then uh, got introduced to TNG. Loved that. Watched the whole series. Uh, then DS9 and and all the others. Um, (laughs) I say all the others because obviously my Star Trek history uh, pretty much is uh, encapsulated in TNG and DS9. Uh, They were around when I was like paying attention to TV, so uh, they really made an impact on me. I'd say they were definitely my favorites. Um, But, you know, I I definitely have seen the entire spectrum of Star Trek, all the movies, all the shows. I'm still... Still working on the animated series. Haven't quite gotten through all of that. I watched like maybe the first two episodes, and I was like, okay, I get, I get the idea. But I just yeah, did no, a full it's... rewatch in like two weeks. It was insane. <laughs> it was it was a trippy two weeks of time. Nice, nice. Yeah, well, I just yeah, I love Star Trek. It is a part of my soul, and uh, so being on a podcast about Star Trek uh, is an honor, truly, truly, because it's my favorite thing. <laughs> well, let's dive in. Like we said, so this episode is called Context is for Kings, which I love. And we'll talk about where that comes from and things like that a little bit later. Yeah. But we, we follow, I think it's six months after the end of the prologue, which we kind of decided last time that the first two episodes make up a prologue to a 13-episode series. So even though we get 15 episodes, um, the the real pilot is this, is this one. So as we... Right. 
as we talk, that's kind of how I'm trying to think about it. Okay, what are we setting up here? What is what is uh, what storylines are being set up? What characters are being introduced? So yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm approaching it. Yeah. So we're six months into Michael Burnham's lifetime imprisonment uh, for mutiny and leading to the death of her captain. And they are, we first see her, she's on a shuttle. She's, she's, we're on a shuttle. She's with a bunch of other prisoners and they are talking about her. We find out, uh, now I should have written down the number, but eight, you know, over 8,000 people died directly because of her decision on the Shenzhou, including her captain. And, and it's something she's beating herself up over and we'll talk about that. Um, and then we, you know, the, the, the shuttle gets into some trouble and I don't know if we want to dwell on the, on the shuttle problems or not, or, or just get straight into this kind of magnificent reveal that we get of the discovery. What do you guys think? The pilot. So, okay. There's something on the outside of the ship. She's got to yes. get into an EV suit, walk out on the outside of the ship and scrape it off, I guess. Yeah. Because it's eating their power. Um, and the, the safety cable gets compromised somehow. And she just is like, boop. Oh, I have a theory about that. Is gone. Yes. And is she dead now? Because they were just saved by the discovery. They couldn't transport her. There's no no one saying, hey, where's your pilot? Nobody cares. Well, we don't know about that. They could have. That just never, not answered again. Sure. I mean, I, I, that's just a, a thing that happens. I okay. I think it's Lorca. I'm, I'm just <laughs> going to say that right now. I think that's part of a conspiracy. His conspiracy, which okay. we know he has to get Michael Burnham on the discovery. Yeah. Absolutely. I think she's a casualty of war. Okay. Yeah. So they intentionally compromised her safety line to kill her. No, I'm, I don't know that. I don't know that's the case. I think they intentionally put made them go through this nebula so that right. That's more what it is. Yeah. They would get into an issue. I don't know that he 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 Murdered engineered her. her death, but he definitely says, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm going to get my hands on Michael. Okay. All right. I did. I did have a laugh out loud moment when the pilot is just floating out when the she back flies window. by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, as soon as she amazing. went outside the hatch, I, I was watching it with some people. And I go, "Oh, she's dead." Like, <laughs> we don't know her name. You know, it's right. much yeah. like later on. You know, when we get onto the Glen, we're gonna see basically our first red shirt, even though they're not red, which is a thing I'm gonna rant about in a little bit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I was just like, "Oh, well, we don't know who she is. That's our first red shirt." <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yep. She picked the wrong plant. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But we get to see, see Discovery next, right? Man. That's what happens. That was right. That was some beauty right there. I, I loved it. It was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it's, it is, what are you just impressions of the look of it? Because this is our first time other than basically a couple of fleeting glimpses in trailers yeah. and and in the, the main title, which is animated. What do you, yeah. not that this Discovery is not animated, guys. They it's not a it's real the beauty shot. shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, there's, there's a real discovery out there. There man. is. It's I there. know it. Yeah. Uh, so, what what do you guys think? How, how did you? What was your first thoughts as you're as they're panning over the discovery? I I I mean, if there's one thing I cannot complain about, it's the visuals of the show. Like, yeah, everything is gorgeous. Uh, the the design is very interesting. Uh, I don't I don't I haven't heard, but I saw I was watching like a, a, a some sort of documentary on the history of Star Trek last night and they were showing old sketches of the original yeah. concept art for yeah. the original enterprise. And it, one looked very much like this. Well, especially that for is... the, the next for Star Trek phase two, this was the redesign for, if I'm remembering okay. correctly, it's the redesign after the original series before, like when they were making the second series that eventually turned into the motion picture, they were going to yeah. redesign the enterprise. It was going to look like this. Okay. Um, All right. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I love the design. I, I, it is. It took a while to grow on me. 
Yeah. But I, I think that it, it doesn't it doesn't put me off too much. The cutouts were a little confusing, but I think this episode did give some hints as to what those cutouts are for. I won't spoil that until we get into that part of the episode. But um uh yeah, it's it's gorgeous. Um uh, it's hard to get a good idea of the size. There's yeah. a couple of shots where we see people as the cameras are zooming in through the windows. And so we get a, a idea of the size comparison. And sometimes it seems much larger than I'm, I'm thinking it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. They've given a complete idea of, of that. They mentioned how many um, scientific uh, whatever uh, things 300. Can be going on. Yeah. But 300 they didn't separate scientific missions at once. There you go. But that doesn't give us any indication of crew size or the size of the ship. So I, I don't know. I'm not totally sure on that either. But I thought it was great. I mean, look, I again, I love where they're positioning this particular series. Um, I, I was worried about how they were going to fit in this ship that we've never heard of and aliens that we haven't heard of. And suddenly I'm beginning to see how that may actually be the case. Uh, and I'm kind of excited about this. We're seeing some kind of special ops uh it's so secretive, you mean? type stuff so secretive yes because it, 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 would not, it wouldn't make it into the history books right. they're doing things that are kind of on the verge of being uh, immoral illegal uh other people would see to be um horrendous yep. um and so they're doing it to win a war uh, and Lorca is uh, is willing to uh to do what needs to be done in order to uh to to accomplish that end when you'd say I mean, this is where we're about to go. So at, they're walking through the discovery for the first time, right? They, they yes. um, get off the shuttle and we see this might be also the time to rant about the uniforms. Cause it's about to, I'm like bursting with it. It's something that didn't click until this week. Um, but we see black combat badges for, yes. or not, well, they aren't combat. I guess they're insignia this time, but, but right. they're, um, they're, co- they're, they're black badges. I'm thinking section 31. Yes. That's I mean, what I mentioned. Be, right? I said, yeah, this is going to get real great. Uh, article 14, section 31 says like when when they there's like extra super emergency, then this this unit is activated and they can do things outside of normal control. I think I feel Lorca like I, I feel like we need to have 31. I need I need I need to create a um, uh, a sound bumper that says nerd alert. <laughs> I mean, that, that's nerdy even for we're talking we're talking about for Star Trek, number Star one, Trek that's nerdy, podcast. But that's just a different level. <laughs> Different I think level of nerd. And full admission. Wonderful. Full admission. I, I, I looked because I was like, oh, section 31. And I was like, maybe if we had black combat or something like that, or didn't they wear a black uniform? And so I, I saw article 14 nice. today. So I will say it wasn't just out of my, you know, out of nowhere, but still. That's fine. You did your research. Research is great. <laughs> guys, I'm committed to this that. podcast. I don't know. That's great. That's great. That's awesome. You guys both have done more research for this podcast than I did. So that's, <laughs> uh, that's a good thing. I, just watched, I watched the episode twice, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Uh, yes. Well, is this that, again, tell me if I'm going to digress a little bit too much here, but I, I really want to talk about the uniforms just while we're okay. on combat badges. We go no longer it. have, uh, uh, what is it? Gold, blue, and red. It no. is now we have gold. copper, silver, and gold. Now, what did Enterprise do for the colors? I don't gold, remember. Gold, red, and blue. They all had, like, blue jumpsuits, though, right? They, they had the blue jumpsuits. And so I, I, this is where I, I'm saying, like, so I was, I forgave Discovery this for a while because I saw the blue. I was like, oh, great. You know, that's a nice homage to Enterprise. You're showing a transition. You know, we've got more color on this one and, and then moving in. And then it realizes because they say something like, Oh, these uh, so many silver shirts, I think is what they called them. Yeah. And I, or silvers or something like that. And I was like, what? 
hold on a yeah. second. <laughs> and then I looked closer, and yeah, That's we have science. no... Uh, no, blue is science. Blue has always been science. I This, it really threw me, and it got me. I, I, mm, I'm not okay with it. Okay. Yeah, I doesn't think, bother me at all. <laughs> what what bothered me about it was that there's so much new uh, insignia and stuff on the uniforms. It took yep. a while because, like, the idea of those uniforms was to quickly communicate to the audience what this person does on the ship yep. and what their rank is, and like that's that's it. And yep. these uniforms are very, very well designed, but like a lot of times I don't have any idea what's on their uniform, and it will only be that way for this TV series. It's not going to go forward to any of the other on. TV series. Hang on, that's like they were very always, clear where the pips always, are. Where the, you know, it's always that way though. They're always redesigned. The, whenever you get to a new era, you get a new design for uh, for TNG, a new design for DS Nine, a new design for Voyager, a new design for Enterprise, a new design for the actual movies as opposed to the original series. But All, they it's kept, always changing. They kept the colors. Now, now the start, the original series movies messed with them a little bit. We had purple for a little while in there. We're gonna we're gonna but step yellow, back from that. Yellow used to be command, and then yellow True. was security and and TNG. No, they they've switched colors before, and also in in the in the movies they're all red. That and come on, they, I mean, no, they're undershirts. Their undershirts remain. Kirk and Spock have have white as thing, as executive or command, but. Yeah. The, uh, okay. The thing right. is, like, even though they changed, there's still like a language of it. Yes. That has been carried on through every series. Yep. And I don't know, gold, bronze, and silver doesn't. I mean, it, it doesn't. It doesn't articulate that language at all of red, uh, yellow, and blue. And they're also a little bit Star Trek insignia happy. Like, yeah. It's everywhere. all. It's cool and stuff. On like everything. it was. On everything, there's two of them on their boots, at least two on their boots. They there's you know there every single thing is little mini uh, insignia, and, and they did this with the the JJ verse movies, yeah. the Kelvin verse movies, but there was it was way more subtle. Like it was texture on their shirt, not de- uh, denotations of of department. Right. Now, I uh, mean, w- one question about the pips: Are the pips yes. on the badges? Yes. So those, In fact, I just sent you guys, uh, as we're talking, I know the, if you're listening, so you won't be able to see this. We'll put but it I in just the... sent you guys a link. Um, yeah, and we'll put it in the show notes if you'd like to look at it. Um, this is a uh, description of all of uh, how it works. Uh, so you have uh, operations, which is the captain, the commander, lieutenant commander. These are all the pips you see on the actual um, uh, Star Trek insignia. And then the different colors for the divisions so the captain's uniform is different from the command science operations the medical and then just the regular kind of jumpsuit that they all kind of get into and use so those those are the starfleet uniforms for discovery down Uh, to their boots yes yeah correct yes so if you're interested in taking a look at that but basically it's command is still gold right science is the silver and operations is the bronze uh, and then, of course, medical is full white for those of you who are just listening. I think it's fairly obvious. I don't have a problem with it. I'm a I'm a huge fan of iconography and um, uh, design, and I don't think it's a I don't have a problem with it. I like where it sits. I, mean, I think they look cool. They I, I like where it sits in between. If we're in this world where we're in between 
Enterprise and the original series, I kind of like this. This seems like a, a, a good step towards what we'll eventually get. So I don't have a huge problem with it. I mean, okay. but, but you know, obviously you guys do, and that's okay. It's fine. But I don't think it's, it's crazy. I so really that, don't. that I would put not in the category of like, that's not my trek. You know, that, that does, it's not a, a deal breaker for me. You <laughs> Hashtag know. not my trek. Yeah. Uh, it's, okay. it's, it's just a nitpicky. It's one of many nitpicky things, but I, I can live with it. It's not, it doesn't affect the story. It's just like, come on guys, you had three colors. Why? But yeah. Why sorry. reinvent it? Yeah. Why continue to reinvent everything just for yep. the sake of reinventing? I will oh, say guys. from a design perspective, the only thing that did stand out to me about it, uh, that I didn't like for a series is it was hard to distinguish bronze yeah. people from gold people. Yep. Um, and a lot of time I was like, well, why is that person in command? Yeah. uniform but it was a bronze uniform or whatever so just from a design element it was hard to quickly discern who's who and why are they doing that yeah i also liked in this episode we get to meet her later on tilly though she is an ensign and she has a very different looking badge which i did like she's as a well. cadet Again, way different cadet not, i'm sorry yeah, yeah not ensign yeah. i apologize cadet tilly uh yeah so um yeah thank with you with four for, bars yeah which i'm assuming might mean that she's Senior, like a high ranking yeah yeah cool Cool, cool. All, All right, right, let's so, keep going. Let's yep, keep let's going. move us move us into. Uh, sh- so they they've been walking through the the corridor. We get into the mess hall, which yes. uh, f- from a story wise a story point of view, I don't like this scene. I I like what it does for her character, but it seems very pointless. Um, they they get into they get into the mess hall. You know, she's ostracized from the crew. We see you know that person from her from the the Shenzo before we've seen Saru, and. Can, can I say one more thing before yeah. you get here? I'm sorry. I meant to say this before we got, uh, before we digressed into the uniforms. The attitude of the security um, officer oh, yeah. is very different than what I can imagine yes. being on any other ship. Um, and I, what I mentioned here is, is that the Discovery is much more, although they want us to think it is a science ship, it is a, uh, it is much more militaristic oh, yeah. than even like the Defiant was, especially in just because I guess the top down, the captain is very, I am compartmentalized. I am the head and everybody else is going to follow me and you're going to be, you're going to be afraid of me. And so she refers to the captives or the, the prisoners as animals several times. (laughs) And that just seems really like off for me in this universe. Like that attitude alone. I'm just like, Man, that why? Whoa, whoa! Animals, you're calling—they're yeah. human beings. What? How? That's not the way you were supposed to view each other. Even if we've done horrible things to one another, we're not animals. This is still we Starfleet, view- right? Yeah, that—that that was what bothered me more than the uniforms, yeah. more than anything else. It was that attitude. I was just like, oh gosh, what? That's not. No, I don't want that. Go away. Yeah. Uh, so that you, who we're talking about there is Commander Landry. Uh, yes, I don't know sorry, if we yeah. got her first name, um, but she's played by by Rika Sharma, who I loved as Tori on Battlestar Galactica. Yes. And uh, I, I didn't know she was in this. This was I was really I excited either. when I saw her because yeah. I, I think it's great, and I'm really hoping she and Michael Burnham throw down at some point because I want to see that fight real bad. All right, so getting back to, to to the mess hall, we we get a little bit of a a scrap between her and the other inmates, where she just beats the heck out of them with her bare hands, and and uh, uh, Landry because pulls a face there are no her. replicators in. I'm sorry. <laughs> why would they go to the mess hall? That doesn't I know. make. Why would they take prisoners that are under security with like 
phaser rifles, yep. which do they have? Did they have phaser rifles in Enterprise? They did. They didn't look really cool like that, but they okay. did. Oh, yeah, in no, Enterprise? They, yeah, they, they look, did. Like, the designs on the show are yeah. amazing. Like, yeah. But why would they go to the mess hall? That, like, blew my mind. That I, they would take all of these hardened criminals, a guy who just said, I've killed three people or whatever. Yep. Hey, we got to get food. There's no replicators down the brig, so uh, there's a lot of in here. Well, that's one of the <laughs> things that I meant about that scene. I feel like this scene story-wise doesn't have any point uh it's it has the point of showing that she can beat people up that's the point of it because she they immediately throw down and lander's like right. oh the captain wants to see you why didn't you take her to the captain first she just got on the um, ship but I, I'll, I'll tell you the reason why is because the captain wanted it to happen yeah that's true he wa- he's probably uh, testing her just like she said you know i think just i think like the captain jettisoned a pilot into space and had them fly 10 feet I under think, a cloud to get bugs on their ship. I think I think he wanted the people I, I think deep. they wanted he wanted the people to see her yeah. in that particular place. Yes. Sure. I think he wants to flaunt her around and and make people uncomfortable and put her in a position and I I think yeah, I think he's manipulative like that. I really do. I think he's trying to do it to a good end, but I do believe he is he is the puppet master. But we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. So they get to the bridge and she's reunited with Saru. Yes. And I mean, I say reunited. I mean, he looks at her and he turns away and, and I liked that. I think again, another powerful moment where, where just you, you're surprised to see him and he turns away and, and it's great. We'll, we'll see more of them. I, the I definitely big thing, thought that that made it feel as though he wasn't surprised to see her. Oh like, yeah. They've been expecting her. Yeah. Totally. That's true. Why did he not? You're right. I didn't think about it like that. He didn't stand up and well, go, oh my gosh. He doesn't no. want her there. Yeah. But yeah, I think he knows. I think he got the word when she landed in the shuttlecraft. I don't think he knew before that because he even uh-huh. says later in the episode. Yeah, I was surprised to see you. Doesn't he literally say that later? And maybe not. Maybe you think he knew that he the was captain sh- says I was surprised to see you on the. On oh, the and shuttlecraft, he was fully right. lying to her. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah, totally. yeah. Uh Speaking of the captain, so that's this is you know they get into the ready room and we meet Captain Gabriel Lorca for the first time, and yep. we're going to talk about him more at the end in depth, kind of do a, a bit of a character study of what we know, but but just generally, we it's a pretty memorable first meeting, I think. Yeah, I love the standing desk. I, I think loved that's it. Kind of imposing and uh, you know different than anything else we've seen. It's very minimalistic. He's yep. got two things on his desk. Uh, one thing is uh, a, a bowl of fortune cookies. Uh, it's yep, a bowl fortune of fo- cookies. fortune cookies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is a bowl of fortune you cookies. You guys didn't like that at and all. I, I literally, as soon as okay, he had a trill. No, you really, you didn't he like had a, that. Dude, oh, he, had okay. a he said a century he had ago. Fortune cookies. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Tyler. Well, no, he had a tri- he had a triple, and he had fortune cookies. And yeah, I, I the thing. leaned back to the people I was with, and I said, "This guy is a Bond villain." That's what's yes. happening. Yeah. He's why I don't know why he wasn't holding and petting the Tribble at the same yeah. time while crunching his fortune cookies cuz I couldn't believe it. I don't um, that doesn't by the way mean that I hate it. I just it's more of just I couldn't I was like this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen on Star Trek and I've seen the first season of of Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Well, <laughs> but 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 to add to the villainy, he has to stay in dark rooms because his eyes have it. to adjust slowly of course so, he I mean, can still sight to sight transport into another room he right. can still go all over the like i mean it's quickly in the next time forgotten. we see this ready room it's fully bright again so yeah, i don't know if they're quickly, gonna carry that out 
it's every time he walks forgotten. into a room. I feel like yes. he 100% wants it to be om- ominous, despite the fact yeah. that he says otherwise. Like, 100% he wants it for effect. Do you think that the shot of his eyes, oh. is that the damage, or is that just the stars reflecting in his eyes? I think it's the stars. Okay. All right. Yeah. I didn't know if they were, we like, talk- alluding to, like, he's got the mushroom spores in his eyes Ooh, or something. Maybe. I, I really think we've we've seen we we noticed this last time that eyes are a motif somehow in this we don't really know maybe it's perception we don't really know it's in the intro it's, yeah it's in the intro even yeah and exactly and I thought it was Which, really it was a beautiful shot yeah if we if we ever have like an extension on this podcast I'd love to talk about the intro I could do the whole whole episode on the intro we we need to we should Especially do some eye. yeah we should do that some uh, some extra things like that we got one extra we'll talk about this a little bit at the end but uh that, that's coming up but this meeting between michael burnham and and Lorca. again we'll talk about Lorca's character a little bit more later on but but um what did you think about their interaction when uh when they meet he, he seems like we were saying before he's a puppet master he seems as though to know a lot about her she is confused as to why she is being included in any of this why she's not in a brig right now um, and just kind of upset that she can't just have her time alone and be in peace and not have to face all these people that she's hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love, uh, Jason, uh, Isaacs. Like oh, man. I thought, I mean, I, I, I know that I will be compelled with every scene he's in, even if the dialogue isn't up to par. Yeah. I don't know why his family was making fortune cookies a century ago. So, I, I mean, in time, which that is we, after we were still eating fortune cookies, whatever. Uh, he was great. He was great in the scene. I didn't quite understand why it was going to take them three weeks to scrape the bugs off the outside of the ship. Um, three days. It was it, just three days. No. I mean, yeah, because they uh, leave maybe, three days later. Maybe, maybe it was. Maybe it was. That would make more sense, at least with the episode. Yeah, I'm pretty days. sure it was three days. Yep. Okay, but it was going to take the pilot like a couple minutes to go out oh. there in an EV suit. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah. I, but, well, he was fully lying. I mean, it was just a, yeah. a ploy to keep her there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the musical cues say, don't trust this guy. The lighting says, don't trust this guy. Fortune yes. cookies, don't trust that guy. I, I don't uh, think anything <laughs> about this situation we should trust as being no. what it what it looks like on face value. Honestly, yeah. I really don't. Yeah. But other than that, I love the scene. Other than the fortune cookies. Even the Tribble. I thought the Tribble was kind of a cool little, um, like... You know, insider thing. If you don't know what it is, my wife didn't know what it was, and so I was like, "Oh, that's a triple." Like, yeah, yeah but it's pretty but, cool. We don't. But there's something there's something unique about that triple. If there's only one of them, right? Yeah, that's true. So, so I, the, he he's they, they've done something to that that triple that is both uh, spayed, neutered. Maybe uh, they created. Not the, maybe they created the triple on this ship it's in one of the three hundred experiments. That's true. Because well, it, we we see something later on in the episode that actually points to that. So yeah. well, I mean, we'll, they're we'll the arch enemy of the Klingons, right? They I was just thinking. To... Yep, he's got some like he's got the secret yeah. weapon to defeat the Klingons right there <laughs> right. on his on his desk. Yep. And Perfect. he may even he may even know it. So who Perfect. knows? Let's see. Let's see what happens. Man. All right. Well, the the big thing again is pointing to this this puppet master thing. We'll we'll talk about him more later. But just this interaction between them. She, what I do love is she's figuring him out. Right, yeah. right off the bat, she's trying to figure out what he's up to, why, why he's there, and or why she's there, and then, uh, yeah. Um, so he, we find out she's she's basically conscripted at least for the next three days to stay on the ship. Uh, she gets sent to her quarters, and guys, 
we meet Cadet Tilly. Yes. And and I'm I have a little bit of a crush. I'm not gonna lie. It's just <laughs> happening right now. Uh, she is. Uh, she's vying along with Saru to be my favorite side character in just the few scenes she's had. And I really like Saru a lot. Um, but just she has a vibrant personality right off the bat and and is just a different character than we've ever seen before. So I, I like her. What, what did you guys think about her? Uh, no, I, I loved her. I thought she was great. I thought she was very interesting. That like nervous cadet just, just wanted to make a good impression on everybody. Um, it took me a while to understand like who and what she was because her first line is, Oh, I'm not allowed to have roommates. My instructors say, you know, I can't handle whatever. And, uh, I've got special needs and stuff like that. And then she says, Oh, well my special needs are that I snore a lot that I have allergies. (laughs) Yeah. So that was confusing. I was like, well that, I mean, and then we see what her snore is and it's not that bad. I mean, it's like, it's because she's got it under control. Her special bed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was weird that, um, uh, that Michael decided to choose the bed with the bags on the thing right next to it that say Cadet Tilly, but whatever. Um, uh, the scene, she's been the in scene prison was... for a while. She's got to assert her dominance somehow, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, she's in a prison mindset, I guess. Uh, yeah, again, I mean, that might be it. That might be why she's acting that way, because I didn't understand why she was like trying to intimidate her. It felt yeah. like Burnham was trying to be mean to this like bright, bright-eyed, like happy cadet I was like, why are you, like, you should feel so guilty. You should be happy anyone's talking to you. Yeah. And here's this really nice person that's, like, just so happy to see you. Um, yeah. So no, Michael Michael doesn't want to talk to anybody. Me. Right. Yeah. yeah Mike, Michael's not a fun character to be around. And this is the this is the, the whole point. She is not, yeah, nobody likes her. She doesn't like anybody. She just wants to be left alone. What I read into Tilly was basically we are seeing the Roddenberry Optimistic view through her eyes. Everybody else in the show is a pessimist. Yep. <laughs> Everybody else is, but Tilly is that breath of fresh air. And if we're if you're a Star Trek fan, you quickly latch onto her. I feel like, and you say, "That's the show. That's the attitude that we're supposed to have." Everybody, right there, is what Tilly, how she feels about the world, how she wants to tell the truth, be honest. Uh, all that stuff like that's 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 Roddenberry's vision of the future so in the very next scene she betrays that that uh I think think she's trying to fit in she doesn't fit in because she is so optimistic and and all this other stuff and and immediately the next scene when we when she's in engineering she's you know downcast and she's introverted a a bit and she's looking down at her monitor and and just you know we we can't really we can't talk she 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 feels bad about it she feels bad about it afterwards, and then it leads to a very, very nice, sweet conversation between her and, and Michael later on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do still feel as though, though, she is she is the optimist uh, to everyone else's pessimism, and I think that is that is the reason why she's there, is to bring not only comedic levity, but also uh, an air of, like, optimism uh, and uh, yeah. and hope for the future rather than just, this is all going to suck. You know what I mean? Agreed. <laughs> we uh, get our. Is oh. she is she on like a thing like Wesley was to be on the ship as a cadet? I don't know that that's like a normal thing, right? Wasn't that like super rare yeah. for Wesley to be able to do that? I would I would compare it more to Nog, where during wartime cadets are on on uh, a ship. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Okay. And she's obviously super talented in some way. We don't know. We'll find out more, I'm sure. She's but. the smartest, what, theoretical physicist on 
the ship, right? Yeah. And that's like the highest level, it seems like one of the highest level science ships in the fleet. Right. So that means she's pretty smart on some level. But then we get our first what? Black alert. Oh, right? yeah. Our first black alert, which crazy and weird. And yeah. we still don't really know exactly. We we know some of it. But we don't know what was causing. Was that was that water or was that um, the spores that you know suddenly were floating in the air and then and then fell down and then disappeared? Was that water? Yeah. It's a good question. I think they it was. said that the walls got wet. That's yeah. all we know. It's a liquid, but we yeah, don't it's know. condensation of some kind. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Obviously, we're going to find out more we'll find about out more. what kind of technology is mushroom, going on here. Mushroom juice. Yes, yes, super spores. mushroom juice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, so uh, we got our first black alert, but again, very little, you know, ex- explanation with that. And and then Saru comes the next morning and escorts her to engineering. And I I really yes. like that scene. I thought it was, it was not touching or anything like that, but it, it was. He extended almost an olive branch to her of at least you know he's not going to completely shun her uh, like everybody else is. He gives her some blueberries and yeah, but they're so not best. They're not, it was a blueberry. Yeah, they're not best <laughs> friends again, you know, but. They are well. They never really were, were they? They were just kind of, uh, yeah. I get the sense that they were very much Bones and uh, Spock, because they're mm, they're ribbing sure. on each other. Not best friends like Kirk and Spock or Kirk and, and McCoy, but but just right. that they were very close and uh, you know almost maybe brother and sisterly to Giorgio's mom. And I, yeah, I still get that. I, and, and I wrote down in my notes, Saru is is kind, but he's firm. Yes. He he's willing to uh, to be brutally honest, but oh, wants to make sure that mistakes are not made. And so he knows that Michael is dangerous, and does not want her in and around him, and especially as he says, around his captain. Yeah. So he yeah. says he said, "I love that quote. You are someone to fear, Michael Burnham. I intend to do a better job protecting my captain than you did yours." Yeah. And yeah. first of all, Lorca doesn't need any protecting, but. Um, because he's whatever we'll talk about that later but uh but i do like that that even shows some growth in saru you know where he he isn't this scared dude who sees death everywhere he is tougher than i think we thought yeah i agree. I, I have a question why do you think saru is on this ship like in the um in the captain the mess hall uh she sees another person from her yeah. old ship and says them by name why are so many people from her old ship on this place is it because they started the war with the Klingons, so they that's have first standard knowledge, or like yeah, that's that's how I read it. And I also think too they they didn't really talk about this in the episodes, but from what I heard, um, the Shinzu, uh, the captain, what was her name again? I'm sorry, I always have a hard time with her name. Captain Giorgio, Philippa Giorgio. Giorgio, she was the most respected captain, so she had some really great, one of the best crews in the fleet, and it was a science ship as well. And yeah, exactly. And so, if they're taking the best of the best from that ship, and they're going to move them over, you'd imagine that one or two or three of those officers would now be serving yeah. on the you know whatever the the next science vessel is. But I, I have a feeling, and I listened to and watched um, After Trek, which is CBS's uh, show that they do after the show. And one of the things the executive producer let slip, and I don't know if he meant to do this or not, so this may be in spoilers. Ooh, breaking news. But one of the things he said is, well, no, I, it's, it might be, it's more of a character thing it's more than it is a plot thing. But one of the things he said is that um, uh, Captain, um, uh, uh, what's his Giorgio name? Giorgio or Lorca. No, no, Ca- Lorca. Oh, L- Lorca. 
he was looking for a first officer who would follow the rules mm. and not question his command. Um, and that is and Saru. So, that's Saru. I think even if, 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 if the captain gives an order, Saru will do it. He won't even he won't even think about it. He except, will just except going to space. He won't go yeah. into space. He totally no, said he like, "No, I'm oh, not going to do that." In the, no, no, in, no. The, in the pilot episode, no, no. he was like, "I don't, I don't want to do that." I mean, why don't you send her? But she gave him an option. She you gave know, him she, an option. Yeah. Okay. Right. He didn't if, say. She didn't say, "Saru, you're going into space with Michael Burnham." I think he would have done it. I think he would have done it too. I think I think he follows orders to the T and believes that the line of command is and should be followed. Yeah. And I, I think that's exactly what he wanted was somebody who was strong enough to, you know, follow even to the bitter end. Yeah. Um, and that is Saru. That's what the that's what the producer said. So just where we're at from that. I feel like walking through the hallway with a bowl of blueberries is breaking some kind of rule, but he's the first officer. He <laughs> he's the first officer. Blueberry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, Riker, you know, st- stood over those chairs, you know, over the back of the chairs <laughs> for did. years. I don't think you're supposed to do that either, That's but true. the Riker maneuver is a thing. And uh, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. These first officers, we have our rebels. Oh, and he, sorry, uh-huh. looking ahead, Lorca calls him number one. Speaking of our controversy last yes. time, calls him number one. So it's a thing. It's a, it's a Starfleet yeah, it's captain a thing. thing. Now it's a thing. Yep. So Question no is, will everyone start stepping over their chairs when they want to sit down? There should so be like can. a Star Trek bingo for this. Like, <laughs> will they do this thing? <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, all right. So let's see. So we're, we're pushing through. We get into engineering and we get our new reveal. So again, this is like that pilot. We're meeting all these new characters yes. or, or reintroduced to, to somebody like Saru. Um, and we, we meet Lieutenant Paul Stamets, who is Anthony, uh, played by Anthony Rapp. And he, first of all, he, he fits very nicely into this whole vibe of engineering of this is my orderly space. He does not, I mean, you get right away. He does not want to be there. He doesn't like Lorca. He doesn't like her. I guess we don't know how he feels about Saru, but um, everybody is, he's like that, that manager who doesn't want to be there and just like tells everybody, you know what, just shut up and do your work and we'll all, you know, go home he's, and collect he's, our paycheck. He's the genius scientist who knows what he's doing and doesn't want anybody else to interfere yeah. with his, well, his work. And is mad that his work has been co-opted by the right. military. You know? Correct. Yes. The military. Yep. Hang on now. Well, it's very much a, a conversation that reminded me of David and Carol Marcus in the wrath of Khan where they, yes. you know, yeah. he even no, you're says right. something but like, they weren't a, part of starfleet right like this is an officer who's gone i don't through. think he was i don't think he was you don't part think of starfleet. He's, oh so they just like just Drafted. gave him a rank so he'd get on the ship i think that's i i really do and i could watch that again i didn't write write down that exact line but he he made it seem like i had this passion project uh you know my my partner and i had this passion project and then suddenly starfleet i think he almost says starfleet swooped in and and it then separated us and, you know, gave us these two ships. Maybe not, you know, but I, I almost got Marcus Fives or even MASH where they drafted people and said, hey, there's a war on, you know, you're doctor, you're a captain now and, you know, go do your thing. Yeah. And he's not happy. He's not, this is not like, anyway, I was going to go with MASH and, you know, he's not like making booze in his still in his room or anything like that, but <laughs> uh, he would be happier, I think. So, this does bring me to, to, to Paul Stamets. I, I, I really liked him overall. I didn't, he's not like a happy character or anything, but there's something off putting was his, was his way of speaking. I actually felt like he was a 21st century person, um, speaking, not, not, 
everybody else in Star Trek always has had you know very elevated, almost Shakespearean at times dialogue, and he's very just, you know, when he says, "Oh, I hate you, I hate you, shut up," you know, I was like, "That's who are you? You're not in Star Trek." What's? But I liked him overall as an actor. Just that was one anachronism. I was I was a little bit thrown by. And I don't think that's his choice. It's not. I don't think it's the actor's choice. That's that's definitely the writing. But it's just. It was interesting that for some reason he's written that way. So that was a good catch. I didn't. I didn't think of that the first time I watched it through. But after seeing your note on it, like I listened to it again, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 isn't how they speak in this time period. That's yeah. very like odd that they would that they would purposefully bring that sort of banter uh, language back <laughs> into the yeah. future. But um, I thought that as maybe even telling of his character, he's not, he's mm. not Starfleet. He's not not that they do language training like that in Starfleet. You know, this is you will speak in, in elevated English in Starfleet. But it's just it just felt different. Well, yeah, I, I really do feel like he's. I, I don't know about the Starfleet versus you know whatever being drafted all that, but I do feel as though you're supposed to think he is definitely in his own world. Yeah, uh, he that he. I think that was a deliberate. You may not have maybe liked that, but I, I felt the same way as though, like, he is on his own track. Yeah. He doesn't want any lurkers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that was he another thing, lurkers. But yeah. yeah, he doesn't <laughs> want any lurkers. He doesn't want anybody, you know, interfering with what he's doing. He doesn't want anybody involved. He can handle it. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I think I, I'm, I'm intrigued by his character. I am too. I, I'm, I'm hoping that it, I hope, I'm hoping that it pays off. I think it will. Um, but, you know, it's... Right now, we're still early days and figure out what is he, what is he, what is he even doing? What's happening here? Yeah. So, have we ever seen a character like that in Star Trek history of a like outside of what you already mentioned, like a an actual Bark- officer on the ship that doesn't Barkley, want to be there? Um, Barkley, okay. Barkley, true. yeah, um, sure. Was was always very much kind of in the, his own world, literally. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Quite literally for, yeah. So I, I think Barkley fits into that very, very well. Um, I don't know of any other kind of characters that kind of come off that way. I, it's just, you know, he's the outsider. Yeah. He's got a lot going in his head. Um, and so I, yeah, as soon as I saw him, I thought of Barkley. I thought of like, mm-hmm. wow, this I, is I a, did not think that, but I like it. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, so, so Michael Burnham, of course, is is thrown off by the fact that there are locked doors and secret places on the Discovery because Starfleet ships don't have that. And so she steals Tilly's drool and breaks into the forbidden storeroom. That, that was that was the worst yeah, moment of I this Yeah, I did not episode. like it. it was, I don't even want to talk about it because I think everybody <laughs> thought it was terrible. Guys, there was, was drool in a Star Trek episode. It's, it's the worst <laughs> It's the worst. Talk about I, I, playing it, for the audience. Like, right? That it's, was a it's, big glove. Like, man, oh, man. <laughs> I, as, as soon as it happened, I just thought, why didn't they just have her do some, like, code? She breaks it open. Yeah. And, like, you know, the, like, this far in the future, and that's the security system we've developed. Oh, Breathalyzer. Wowie. Yeah. Wowie. I know. Now, it's just... Uh, yeah, I even thought, you know, at the same time, we've got we've got this cadet that somehow, by the way, has access to these top secret areas in in all of Discovery. But but Michael Burnham, yes, she's a prisoner, I, I suppose, but like a cadet has access to this thing. So it's, they only locked this door when Michael Burnham came on the ship. That's what this right. is. And evidently, whatever this thing is, just destroyed another entire ship. Right. Spoiler alerts. Right. Uh, we want cadets but before out we got them. to that, there was uh, a scene that I wanted to talk about. Sure. Um, and that's in engineering, uh, after we're introduced to Paul, um, and 
he gives her the code to go work on and she's working on it and whatever and he's talking to his friend oh, yeah. on the on the screen right mm-hmm. okay so she turns on her display to work on that code her display appears in front of her without any surface that it's on it's just kind of holographic in the air yep. right then we look at all the other people that are working in engineering none of them have a display like that they're yep. all looking down at their buttons right yep then we go over to him he's got the same sort of a console with the holographic code, but he also has a glass surface that is projecting an image of his buddy from the other ship who evidently does not have the same type of a surface that he's looking at because his buddy can see when Burnham is walking up behind him. Oh, good point. Like, what is that device? Why are they establishing so many means of communication? None of them make sense. The holographic display doesn't make sense. Like, just put a person on a screen with a camera. It's not a hard concept. We've yep. been using it. Like, what is going on? And it and it looks cool and all. I do like that. And we talked about this in the last episode a little bit where I, Deep Space Nine had a whole arc. I mean, yeah. where they were trying to do this and it didn't work. But yet we're 80 years or however many years beforehand. And suddenly it works great. But And not only did they say it didn't work, but they didn't really see a point in it. Because it's nope. just a dude standing on the floor. Yep. You can just see him on a screen. He can communicate the same way. It's not like he yep. could interact with the surface at all. Which they can hear. <laughs> they yep. can hear. Yeah. Whatever. I know. I know. Uh, I'm, I'm there too. But in that conversation, there was some important dialogue. Also, we got to look at his command or his, his, his console. Okay. And I don't know. You guys have to tell me. This is the first time I've ever seen uh, a picture of the discovery with the circle spinning so oh i did not see that outside circle is spinning and there's little arrows that are pointing to the direction it's supposed to be spinning so i think it's some sort of scientific thing wow i did not notice that it's code black yeah Yeah, it definitely felt like hey hey wink wink this is for the audience to see look at actually the thing he spins so i don't i don't know what that is because I'm waiting uh, for it to separate. That's what I've been waiting for. Right. But, yeah. I, I thought maybe because it's like a science vessel and they're dangerous things, like maybe they have to like eject parts of the ship or something yeah. like that. So whatever. But no, it it was definitely the, the well, front of the Enterprise out. spinning. Or I'm sorry, whatever this, the Discovery. The Discovery. The Discovery, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the, like I also, uh, I was interested in what they were talking about in terms of like the the tests that they were doing. Cause obviously yeah. this is integral to the rest of the show, understanding yeah. what this thing is. They say that 12 is a perfectly robust number. That's what Paul says to his friend. Then, uh, he says, where is the Glen? Yep. So the Glen, I don't know. That's the ship giant cat. Oh, that's the ship. That's the ship they go to. Yeah. Okay. So then he says, uh, Spirian two forty. Yep. Right. And that's what they just got. And they're going to shoot for 900 or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, and then they were going to shoot for 900. So on their ship, they've got 12. And evidently 12, we learn later, is equal to um, either the years that they've been working on it or Mm. whatever it is that powers this traveling that we're going to learn about later on, um, which can only get them 90 light years. So if they know they can do 90 light years with 12, what kind of distance are they talking about with 900 that's interesting and that may be a clue as to what because we don't get any analysis of of the stuff that they retrieve from the glen but that may be a clue as to what happened to the glen maybe something went wrong they 
use too much or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 They tried to go too far at once. Yeah. Yeah. The displacement yeah. was too big. Yep. But yeah, no, so, the well, big, the big thing was that, that spinning disc. So check it out. No, that's, I will. That's, that that's great. If you can, if, if, uh, if you can give us a screenshot of that, or if you can find sure. it, I'll, I can all look for that too. That's, that's huge. Um, so we, we get onto the Glen, just like you said. So it, we, we, uh, well, we don't get there yet, but the Lorca comes in, he says the Glen has been, uh, has been destroyed and, or the, sorry, the crew has been lost. The, the ship's not destroyed and they need to send uh, a ship to, or a shuttle to go to the Glen and to retrieve the information that they, that they had there, that they were working on. And, uh, Michael Burnham has to go, and of course Stamets is mad about that because Stamets is mad about everything. But he he has a particular you know problem with Michael, which which I think it's an inferiority complex thing. Plus she's also you know the mutineer, so I think it's right. all of that stuff. Um, but uh, I I know I'm kind of pushing ahead a little bit here, but uh, but getting us onto uh, on the trip onto the Glen, we get a huge revelation of what's going on uh, with the research on the discovery and. Um, it's, it's this, it's a big science thing that, that, you know, I don't want to go too much into, but what he says is there is no difference at the quantum level between biology and physics. Yeah. The spores that they're researching are the seeds of panspermia, the spreader of life across the universe. And that he's an astromycologist because of his awe at this miracle, this miracle of life. Um, and that's, that's what he got into this for. And I, you know, we find out later this is some kind of a means of propulsion, and and I'm thinking like everybody else that this is some kind of you know biological weapon, but I I really I didn't like that, and again I am not a scientist, I am an English teacher, you know, but so I decided to do a little bit of research, and and I we don't think I don't think we need to go into it here, but we will point you guys to a um, to a, an article that Forbes put out called the suspect science of uh, I just lost my title. Uh, yeah, the suspect science of Star Trek Discovery, the context is for kings. And uh, we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But really, there's there's some pretty decent problems with the science that they have there in in uh, Star Trek Discovery. So uh, I'm not in love with it. So after Trek, they had, uh, what's his name? Paul Stamets, right? Yeah. The real Paul Stamets. Yep. Come on. Oh, really? Did they talked... Yes, oh, he's cool. a do- he's he's actually uh, he's a real person. They based the character off of this real guy. He's Down a to his name as well. Yes. Oh, cool. And he's doing all of this theoretical science right now about this kind of tech. His basic theory is that everything is networked. So uh, sure. you know we think of computers as being networked, but he's saying biology and matter is just as networked as anything else and so uh we have access to if we can to hone into these networks to be able to travel long distances matter just like we are able to transfer long distances information so that's what he was talking about and i think that's what they're doing here sure. is learning at a very cellular level and when we first meet Stemets, he's actually brushing what appears yeah. to be space dust or some sort of uh, hardcore, um, you know, uh, dandruff yep. off of his uh, shoulder. <laughs> and, um, you know, my theory is, is that as we see later in the episode, he's just 
he's probably traveled a long distance and has just returned. Um, and so, um, you know, it would be made. What would happen if you were able to go anywhere in, in, in a moment's notice? Yeah. Uh, what would happen what, if you could control it and know where you're going to end up? Um, I think that's what they're working on here is being able to connect at a cellular level, like a quantum almost ability to um, travel anywhere and go anywhere in, in almost an instant. Um, so anyway, we'll see. But the real Paul Stamets was actually on the uh, on the show on After Trek. It was an interesting conversation. If you haven't seen it, I'm you definitely going to watch that. Yeah, that's that's interesting because again, I, you know, I do not pretend to. I know that my science knowledge extends as much as my science fiction reading can go, and yeah. and it's limited right there. But yeah, I wasn't. I loved the idea of the the interconnectedness. They call it the veins and the muscles of the universe. I think that was really cool. But this idea, what the Forbes article talks about more is that is that conflation of biology and and physics at a quantum level that they're the same thing and he's just like no no they're not uh now maybe there's interconnection between things but but he's like no they're, they're fully different like parts of the, the universe well that's but again that's kind of that's kind of naive isn't it so i mean that's one of the one thing, sure. things we can do in star trek is explore True. some of these fringe science stuff yeah. uh and uh, and see where it takes us so yeah yeah so i thought he uh, was Stupid. Yeah. I thought that conversation was stupid. <laughs> really? Why? Why do you think it was stupid? Uh, well, you got to no, defend I, that a little. Uh, well, no. I, I, I just, I'm just, just chiming in that I didn't really think that it made sense for this guy. Uh, it, you know, it's not my, it's not my Starfleet, right? They would not have put this guy in this place. The idea of this science that he's working on, it's pixie dust magic kind of pseudoscience it felt here's here's the here's the pro thing i will say it's feeling a little bit like fringe um, which i love which yes. i love amazing show the idea Everybody of these like crazy science partially science based ideas um but man they gotta they gotta flesh it out a bit more if they want me to believe it because this is star trek yeah. this is not star wars we don't have the force we have warp drive like Everything is based in some understanding of real science, and, and that's I'll check is. out this Forbes article. But no, 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 it no, no, sounds no. like fringe science. Don't, no, 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 don't, don't. For, Forbes article, Schmorbs article. This is just a dude <laughs> who just who just says something about what I definitely definitely watch After Trek and see what they're do, going for and what they're doing, rather than because obviously we don't know what the end game is right now. Right now, all, what we're looking at seems like magic. But what is that quote? Like any sufficiently uh, technologically advanced society would be indistinguishable from magic yep. to a you know normal you know a non advanced society. So that's the idea here is is that i think we're seeing things that look like magic look strange and weird but what i'm hoping they're going to be doing is doing exactly what you're talking about is because i mean when you say fringe science so is warp warp cannot exist warp doesn't work there's it doesn't it does not work but they establish it in these kind of theoretical sciences and that's what this is is them taking this theoretical science and building it out to something that we might be able to use technologically for uh the war effort or whatever it might be so i like that i really do Nah. <laughs> no? No, it's not you, huh? No. Nope. Right. It's not me. It's not me. All right. Uh, I, that's, this is something we'll explore, and I'm sure we're going to see I, more of it later on. But yeah. I did share the uh, snapshot of the console with you. See, so you I, didn't even, see... I didn't even realize that as being the disc. I didn't even yeah. think about that being the actual, yeah. 
You can oh see the goodness. little arrows that are pointing in the direction it's supposed to be spinning. I don't know. You, you have to really zoom in, but it's there. Oh, I'm zooming. Oh, <laughs> That's interesting. That is an interesting thing. It's hard to tell from a still. I'm gonna have to go back and actually watch that that moment. But yeah, that's I'm cool. Psyched. This is this it's a good, is great. It's a good catch. It's a yeah. good catch, no doubt. All right, so we uh, we get ourselves onto the to the Glen, and this is where things really pick up. You know, the, the beginning has been really establishing stuff, and from here on out, it's 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 pretty fast paced. We we get onto the Glen, we see the crew well first i guess before we get to the glen we see that there's damage outside and he says that's consistent with um i forget what he actually the said it's consistent with yeah with the, that's what it is the um, sac rupture that's right which so that's where we get it lead into the discussion of the spores right um cuz she she's trying to put two and two michael burnham is trying to put two and two together and um so they get in there we see crew being turned that that work turned inside out and we do not understand why it is uh, that way, and he's he's trying to figure out how it's consistent with the with the things that they've been doing and the experiments they've been running. And then we see dead Klingons who are not turned inside out; they are torn apart. And they're also and not pink. They're yeah, I know. But yeah, I I wasn't I, expecting that at this point with this design. I, I was I was hoping it's fine. That's okay. Um, yeah. Enterprise was, didn't get it right either, so you know. Yeah. Whatever. I think it was just bad CG in. Uh, in uh, Star Trek six, but that's fine. Um, so I, yeah. Anyway, I was, now I went down a, a thing in my mind. I was like, they need to go back and George Lucas this and, and fix, <laughs> fix Star Trek six. Um, uh, anyway, so they, they, we then we, you know, at the corner of our eye, we get this animal that's, you know, or creature that's running in the background and then, okay, this is, yeah. I feel like going to be decisive or divisive. Do you guys have a problem with the shushing Klingon? Because <laughs> uh, the internet the guy had a problem, who has with, a problem the with everything. Klingon. I don't know. I mean, these Klingons, I know so little about who they yeah. are. I guess they could have shush in their, uh, you know, their behaviors that they do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that's a universal communication for be quiet yeah. um, in Klingonese, but you know, I they're they're establishing their own thing. So I guess these Klingons know how to shush. And know that oh, I meant more, is the Klingon going to be scared enough of anything oh. to shush? Well, I mean, yeah, I don't think these Klingons are our Klingons. I don't, I don't think that they would run into battle out of honor. You know, we've mm. seen that before already of these like super dishonored, dishonorable Klingons uh, in the pilot uh, that wouldn't even go out in space to push a button on a thing, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know who these guys are right now which is kind of compelling because it's an it's an opportunity to completely introduce a whole new idea and just sure. put the name Klingon on it sure that did not bother me at all not I, was I loved it I thought it, it was, was hilarious funny. yeah I thought it was a good moment I loved the whole that whole deal of him just coming out and just like no and then being pulled back yep. I, so why I thought it was a great think, moment why do you think that um Tilly of all the people you have the so cool. security the chief of security right Yep. You've got a dude with a giant rifle, yep. and neither of them step up to to take on this person in the shadows. It's Tilly because she like, is hey, awesome. You, I'm telling get you, get out here. <laughs> oh. yeah. It, yeah, it was so. She was so commanding with it. It was it was great. I really loved it. I think that says some good stuff about what we're gonna see from her. Um, she's actually not as timid as she seems. Um, I I really I loved it. I, it. More than the shushing Klingon, I think that was great. 
I think like she wants to prove herself like in every yes. aspect. She she wants to get in there and show what she can do. I, that's fun. That's fun. You know, yeah. I would have loved to out. see a series that was all about cadets because I think that's yeah. a fun area to explore. So at least we got they've one. almost done at least once. They've almost yeah. done that. Yeah. Um, which and I like that she she we find out later she wants to be a Starfleet captain or starship captain. This is a little bit of a sense. It's not crazy. This isn't, you know, uh, this is is an actual maybe achievable goal for her so yeah i i think i I like this moment in the sequence all that moment leading up to and then this is this this scene is definitely why and we can talk about this later why this episode is rated tvma yes yeah that's what i was gonna we're seeing bodies everywhere and then of course there's a cuss word that happens yeah um and so like it's like oh okay this is this is the uh the reason why we're off network television now i didn't think it was that bad oh it wasn't bad no no it was fine i I feel like it was could be i felt it was pretty grotesque that first body that they walk up to oh they didn't need that additional close-up shot like you got the idea those were human bodies that were like turned inside out and boneless or whatever like yeah we got the idea and it did remind me a bit of the and Help me with the episode name because I don't remember. In TNG, the woman that like, there's like, uh, oh, spatial... I thought the same thing. Uh, she sinks into the floor and she's like, uh, was like... it the phase or something like that or yeah, or phases? I know he's yeah, where where they're sinking. She's sinking in the floor, right? And she's yeah. sticking out of the floor. Yeah, and it's like it's gruesome, but there's no blood. You get the idea. She's dead. Like she's she's in trouble, right? Um. I, this was really gross. It was really gruesome. And I don't know if we need that in Star Trek. Like, c- kids can't... Well, I don't know. Kids watch... In theory. Whatever. In but theory. when I was growing up, kids didn't see stuff like that. And it was gross. And I didn't like it. <laughs> like, it was... Like, the... Ugh. Ugh. It was, it was needless, in my opinion. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, this entire sequence I did not care for at all, except for this moment with Tilly and the Klingon. Everything else... Um, I did not really care for. I thought it was really silly, to be honest with you. One, Felt a lot like that sequence in um, Star Wars, um, uh, the newest Star Wars. What is it called? Uh, Rogue One or Force no, Awakens? No, no, Force Awakens, yeah. where uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca are running away from this huge monster yeah. running through the... It just it just feels uh, a little too, um, too silly. Just, what? Okay, I all think, right. Did, I think it brings up a deeper question of where did this come from? Like, where did well, that ship go? You know, that it's super important. According to the producer, he said, we're going to be seeing yep. that creature again. It's, it's, it's key. He said to the, to the, uh, to the series. Yeah. I have a, so I have it's a theory like the, about this. It's the polar bear uh, of lost. Oh, gosh. You guys watched so lost. Please oh, don't no. say it's that. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh man. We're going to oh, find a big lever oh in the middle no. of discovery. And, and that's what's actually transporting us. Oh my gosh. If they you. break out a smoke monster, I yeah. will flip out and not. Yep, it's happening. It's happening. So we can talk about my theory at the end because it has to do with that last scene, the last office that we see or laboratory. Oh, cool. But well, I think that we'll whatever they're doing is causing the creation of these creatures in some mm. way, because the creature that runs mm. behind them is definitely not the creature that bursts through the door in front of them. Uh, like the one that was behind them was like really light and fast and like skittered across the floor. And this one, it's like thundering Barreling. through the hallways and smashing oh. things. And like, so are there multiple of these type of creatures? Are they opening up like uh, stranger things? Yeah. Where they're right. opening up something wow. that's letting something that's, through. 
that that's exactly what I think this is, is that we're seeing the the unintended side effects of whatever technology is that they're using. Of mushroom travel. Yeah, it's going to catch on. Yeah. They've Spores, been trying molds, to and fungus. Since, also, yeah. one, one little thing that bugged me. Uh, they said the Klingons must have beamed in seeing a, you know, a, a Starfleet vessel that was, you know, in trouble, uh, which means that you, they, the, the team didn't have to take a runabout all the way there mm-hmm. into the ship, right? Because the Klingons yeah. beamed in. So why didn't they beam in? Because they said that the room where the science experiments were, were shielded. Yeah. So yeah. They, they couldn't, couldn't beam, beam it out. They couldn't beam this stuff out. That's all it but was. But why didn't yeah. they just beam them at the door of the yeah. place that they were trying to get to? Um, I mean, if they can do site to site transport, I'm just right. saying. Well, could, but I don't, I don't, I, but again, like, and they every know Starfleet vessel is the same. Seriously. Well, these two are. These two are. <laughs> you get, okay. All right. Oh, that's, that's true, though. She says that. She does She's say. She's not been oh, on Starship. the ship before. Yeah, that's true. that's true. How does she know the Jeffrey tubes go to the. Whatever. She's Michael Burnham. She's amazing. She's so smart. <laughs> if it's one thing they do say over and over and over again in every episode, it's how smart yep. Michael Burnham is. Just, that's true. Ugh. We've no, never I, seen I, it. She's always this... wrong. She's a horrible person. <laughs> she started giant intergalactic war. Oh man, I'm sorry. The no, veins but, are popping. But, <laughs> yeah, the, the the sequence was unfortunate. The the whole her saying like I've got this now and give me a phaser and yeah. then running yeah. through the Jeffrey's tube and then all that that whole sequence is first mutineer. Let's throw her a phaser. What? Well, that that's fine. I don't mind but that. It's just Saru vouched for her. I I think he, mutiny aside, she's the best officer I've ever served with, or whatever he said. Yeah, it's fine. It's just the plan is silly. Like it yeah. doesn't. Oh, it silly. doesn't. And then like I know that I can drop. I felt very much like a Fast and the Furious type. Yeah. Like there, oh, there just so happens to be a place where I can drop down into the space Directly into, the into the shuttle, the, and then yeah. it just I all that thing was just unfortunate. I thought not a, a very poorly planned action sequence but it leads to but. one of the weirdest moments of anything in star trek discovery history yet right in oh yeah Jeffrey's um, tubes. totally anyway totally sorry well jump on a kid. no no let's do it <laughs> uh no it's, it's great so they so they get out they, we've, we've gotten out of out of the the glen we get back to the discovery well, oh. i meant i meant in the jeffrey's tubes like oh for oh, her to where she's quoting, quoting alice, alice in wonderland, in wonderland. yep so oh, weird man. So weird. And I'm sure that they're going to say, oh, this is some Vulcan training to like calm your brain from emotion, tell yourself a story or whatever. But it was weird. It It was was straight up just bonky. And then I I did watch an after track. He said that uh, the the connection between Alice in Wonderland and Star Trek is the mushrooms. You get it? No, he didn't. The mushrooms. (laughs) I'm a genius because I... Whoa. Hang this, on, this show he is he, off the rails. Guys. He didn't it's say it quite rails. like that, Stephen. Give him a little bit more credit than that. He, oh, man, she's so smart, yeah. though. <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> Unbelievable! No, I already said this entire sequence is not good. It was unfortunate. It was not just not a poorly planned. I didn't feel like it worked as an action sequence. It definitely didn't work as any kind of like character development for her. None of that stuff really. It just didn't work for me. I, it could have. It would have been easier and made more sense if. And then, see, the thing too is, is that at the end, we we realize like action hero. Like, well, no, no, no. But at the end of the show, style. they have captured this thing, or is it another thing? That I they think have they found? beamed it on right before they uh, they destroyed the ship. Yeah. But see, that's the thing. Like, it just doesn't. It's just it, all, that whole thing. Why wouldn't they just? 
do it differently. If if I was writing the show, maybe maybe they have a reason why, but it just seems like the one of the worst ways to get from point A to point B. Like the point B is we yeah. want to have this creature on the ship. Yeah. We want to have Michael Burnham show that she is willing to sacrifice self. Yeah. I can think of a thousand different better ways than like you said, Stephen. Hey, now every starship vessel has to be built the same, right? Because she said it that because she said that, and that, and if it wasn't, she'd be out in space somewhere, or that thing wouldn't have been there. Now it would have been an interesting moment if she would have been like, "Oh shoot, they aren't all built the same." Right now, right. what do I do? Do you know what I mean? Where she there realizes was no that she wasn't as smart as she was, as she thought she was, and now she has to improvise. Yeah. Then that would have been, but because she was so plotting and just knew exactly what she was doing, and. Well, she also didn't. stopped moving like multiple times for a while in the Jeffries tube. <laughs> like the the tension was broken quite a few times, and I was like, yeah, "Just unfortunate." He said like an hour to come catch her. What's happening right now? Yeah, yeah. I I agree. It, I I I liked the Alice in Wonderland thing. I thought it because I thought it was really weird, and I was I like, "She's kind of weird." Um, and it's the whole human and Vulcan culture thing, and her, you know, in this new situation in Starfleet. So that didn't bug me. Plus, you know, we got the foreshadowing that we're gonna meet Amanda, or so, I'm sure pretty soon, or we'll see her, or we'll get some flashbacks. I swear we're gonna get Spock. Who's I promise her? we're gonna do get we Spock. Oh, they just cast her. Um, yeah, we do. Yeah, uh, I'll look it up. But uh, but what do you guys think of the monster design? Like, have we ever seen a creature like it? Reminded me of the the uh, uh, creatures from Doom. You remember those, Chris? Like, yes, the, I do. Yeah, I mean, totally. it looks a lot like them. Who? Not, I, not the sandworms. No, like the the big. They were in. Oh, Doom. Doom. I'm sorry. I thought you said Dune. Sorry. Oh no, no, no. no I, I I didn't mind it at all. In fact, I think just like everything else in the show, I thought it looked great. I thought everything worked fine. Great. It was fine. I just didn't like the way they were used. Um, I like the idea of them. I hope they have some larger contextual like reason for being there that they are significant in the plot of the show overall um but just the way they use them for the very first time just seemed very clunky and uh, scary for no real reason i I just was unfortunate for me that whole sequence just didn't work so we figured out just to to add into this we figured out who is playing amanda her name is mia kirshner i've i don't remember her too much other than she was in 24 so i know i've seen her but i couldn't tell mm. you much more about that so amanda kirshner will be playing her sometime by the end of this uh this season it sounds like okay. who's playing spock that's the only question gosh um. it better be a kid i swear i'm gonna be i'm fine if it's flashback spock but if it's if it's adult spock and it's not uh wow and i'm gonna be all mad now i can't remember his name uh it's Oh my gosh, what's his name? Zachary Quinton. Thank you. I knew it was Zachary. I still call him yeah. the guy from Heroes, so it's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just anyway, that's a whole different thing. I, I we need to not split into three different Kirks. That whatever. He's not James Bond <laughs> or Doctor Who. Let's see. Let's let's get back to to Discovery here. So uh, Michael Burnham gets back to the bridge. Um, she has another good moment with Saru. Um, I, again, I, I really liked it. In fact, with this one, I like that we get the, a big, a good sense of the scale of Saru to her. Um, you know, Doug Jones is is six four. She's five four, and so there's a foot's difference anyway. Plus, he's on these platform shoes and on his tiptoes. Uh, so he's six eight. Oh, six yeah. eight. I thought he was six four. No, no, oh, no, no, no. When he's in the when, oh now. 
Yeah, I mean, the, so he's a foot and a half taller than her almost, you know, on uh, with all this. And so I, I love that. I think that just worked really well. Nice sense of scale, but they didn't focus on it. It was kind of almost a Hobbit Gandalf thing or something. Yeah. Um, then we move into Lorca's ready room and we we get this. The offer is given to Michael Burnham. You know, hey, yes. I, I can arrange it. You know, don't not even I can arrange it. Don't even worry. I've, <laughs> I've got this deal with the Federation with Starfleet. I need to fight the war however I want to fight the war. Why don't you come join me? And yeah. and I I liked it. I thought I thought that was a very compelling thing. Um, I like that she calls him on it. Uh, that she calls him on this this idea, you know, of um, look, you are trying to manipulate me here. This is you know you you are I am not who you think I am. I am not this convict who is desperate to get out of my sentence. She is in. Just as much as they have sentenced her, she is in, you know, her own a prison of her own making, and I love that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I didn't have a problem with it at all. Obviously, again, we get to see the kind of conclusion of what he's been planning the entire time, and yeah, um, he definitely wants her on on board. So, okay, uh, are, now we've are we revealing like so the idea behind what they're doing is is using these, yeah. Mushroom spores. Well, he takes her to. He takes space. her. He takes her Probably into engineering. Yep. And shows her, basically, Alice through the looking glass. I mean that. Now let's obviously not, is what's happened. Let's not move past. He uses a site to site transport from his ready room. Yeah. To the engineering lab thing. Why do you have such a problem with that? I thought that was awesome. I loved it. Well, one, he said that he can't go uh, through different stages of light quickly because of his eyes. I those would think that there's nothing quicker than a transporter beam. Um, so that's one thing. But also, like, that seems like a tremendous waste of resources. If if we can just site-to-site transport around the ship, why doesn't everyone do that constantly? Well, it's because it's a does. resource that they're he consuming. Does. No, I, I, I see Lorca as doing that a yep. lot. Almost to be, like, that's omnipresent so a little bit. I, I could see him. I could see that. I it didn't bother me honestly it, it didn't irritate me at all I I, th- I think it was part of the Lorca act um, yeah and, and I think is we could we can get into this now there's there's a tiny bit at the end of the episode we could talk about but but the big thing here is the the Lorca act he is a personality and and even the way that the way that Stamets describes him he says you know um, if Lorca wants it that way that's the way that Lorca is going to get it. You know no, what he says is he calls Lorca a warmonger. True, he does also call him that. Yeah, that's true. A warmonger. Yep. <laughs> this is a this is a Starfleet officer under the, his command calling the, the captain. captain a warmonger. Yep. I, I, so, like, I saw him or- originally as like Captain Neo. Like, he just felt yep. like Captain Neo, and then uh, in the after trek. Uh, the creator says, "Oh well, uh, Alice in Wonderland is is Michael Burnham, and I, I don't. Do they all have some literary analogy that they're just kind of imprinting these characters on? I mean, it like that's who Captain Neo was. Like he's the same guy. He just needs an organ, but he has yeah. a big yeah yeah his weird lab. Although was he a warmonger?" No, I guess not. But he was on his but own. But he is thing. this reclusive was, dude yeah. on his own mission. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You know, if Nemo anything, was... I guess he was kind of an anti-war monger. Like he, he yeah. revolted against all of humanity for it. 
but he is doing his own, you know, this guy's doing his own thing. Lorca is, uh, man, you know, he is going to fight this war. However, he's going to fight this war. I still don't, by the way, completely believe that he's not going to use biological weapons of some kind. Like that almost, I was like, mm, I feel like if you could find a way, you're going to find a way you'll do it. Do you it. think but, that they're going to retcon the Klingon biological epidemic, uh, and, and just get rid of enterprise. You mean, you mean retcon it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. re-retcon it. I mean, why not? Like, it's it's so confusing as it is. Let's just go all out and make it really weird. I I just liked when when Worf said, you know, that's not something we talk about. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah I, right. <laughs> I I think I, I could see it. I could see that. I could see him. You know, I would love us to just randomly find some some you know Klingon spy who's been on the ship the entire time who who doesn't have the ridges, and we're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And just come on, like at least use that resource that you have. But I, I think, you know, Lorca, Lorca really, man, he's a megalomaniac. He just is, you know, he, he is, um, he is in charge of his ship. He is in charge of this mission. He is in charge of this war. He will win the war. Um, not even as a hero, but just he had, it, it has to be him. It's, it's his own glory. I I disagree with you. Do you? Yeah, I don't. I don't think, I don't he's, think he's a bad guy, by the way. I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think he doesn't. He's willing to do what it takes. Right, but I don't think you said he's in it for himself. I don't think he cares. I think he just wants to get the job done, no matter what the the cost is. It reminded me a lot of the episode. What's the one when Riker meets his past captain, who the Pegasus? Yeah, Pegasus. Yep. Um, that you know they were doing uh, sciency stuff on True. board and trying to pass through matter and all that stuff. So it might it reminds me a lot of that motif sure. where he is that guy. He's just not an admiral, but yeah, right. Well, but he has the powers of an yeah. admiral. Apparently, True. he's been given carte blanche to do yeah. whatever it takes to win this war. So he's got, and so yeah. has you know we've seen that in the past. Cisco had that power mm-hmm. essentially you know sure. cisco was given free reign and, and he you know he towed the line every once in a while and and we've even seen different captains i, I want to say the guy from omega glory captain tracy um you know was kind of a i will do anything to to do what i need to do mm. kind of a captain so so what okay. i like about this is is that this show is not about the captain no no the show is about michael we're seeing everything through her eyes doesn't have to so, be yes can it be about yeah. saru would like to see right. that in his eyes or Tilly, or no, because Tilly. you always want to you want to experience things through the the flawed character rather than the ones that have have. Because as we're going through this, we're going to be seeing her obviously grow. That's what we want to see her go from this scrubby little person who's broken yeah. to somebody who is finds herself again and is able to actually serve and and be a better person for it. That's obviously that's what we want. I mean, that's that's why you tune in you want yeah. to see her become better right but evidently the, seven, seven years under captain Jujio Jojo didn't make her a good person <laughs> no it did make her a good it person made her she the still worst thinks... person in starfleet history no but she this no. is this is the big thing no. you know she she did you see why she did it she didn't do it for she did not do it for megalomaniacal reasons she she said yeah, she, i am trying to save you you know her methods and this is getting to the crux of even why Lorca likes her her methods are not starfleet's methods and she also was not raised starfleet she was raised very practical vulcan that's why those methods made sense to her um i don't i don't want to get the podcast off the rails I, at the end of the day like 
you know, I do not like Burnham. I don't think she's a good character. She doesn't have any good character uh, like traits, in my opinion. So we are not following an anti-hero. We are following the just anti-person. She everything she does, in my opinion, she's the I villain? don't agree with, uh, like at all. She, yeah, every fiber <laughs> of my being does not agree with her at any scene. But the thing that keeps me tuning in is that must be intentional. That must yeah. be a deliberate oh, yeah. thing by the writers to make me hate she's, her. Because well, I could not hate grow. her this much by accident. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> I, and we will see much more. I, I, I think she's compelling. And, and, and her, her speech to him about how um, you know, she says, before I was a, a mutineer, I was a first officer in Starfleet. I'll never bear, bear that rank or any other again. But it is who I am. Who I will always be, and it is by the principles of the United Federation of Planets, not Starfleet, by the way, um, that I live, and by them I most certainly will die. I I like that because that that also gives her yeah. Vulcan, that, that her her Vulcan reasoning, um, you know, is what led her to that point. That's I think how she also justified it. Is is her father essentially told her to do this? That's you know to save her mother. Her father told her to do this. I I I am there, and despite the fact that I have problems with Sark being her surrogate father, it's that's how she that's how we got there. Um, so when you say to save her mother, do this, you mean like her, her adopt her other surrogate mother? Yeah, that's it's. I'm seeing you. All of this is Star Trek's always been painted in terms of a family, and I yeah. think we get that pretty quickly here. Saru, Saru and she are bickering siblings, and. Giorgio is the mother, and I, I really like it. Um, and then we get Lorca, who is not that way. Uh, and I, and I know we're we're running a little bit longer than I than we thought, but um, yes, a we lot. Move on. I know. I, I want to just hit. I want to just hit the end, and then let's. We can. I think we can actually just cut it with with this. But um, absolutely. But I think it's essential. You chose to do. He says you chose to do the right thing over and above what is sanctioned, even at great cost to yourself. And that is the kind of thinking that wins wars, the kind of thinking I need next to me. Universal law is for lackeys. Context is for kings. And my big thing in there is a a, a few. Lorca sees himself as a king. He wants her next to him. Does this mean she is replacing Saru? She is going to be the new first officer, or she's just part of it. But then we get some significant morality questions, which will be explored later on. Yeah, I, I think he he's, he sees himself as the the person who has the answers, who can solve the problems that we have, uh, and wants the best team possible, um, and 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 wants the a grouping of folks who know what's really going on and can actually solve problems. Look, we even we, we kind of skipped over a crazy moment here when he throws her in this yeah transparent room, her, the mind transporter. The gas chamber is what it and was. She, yeah, yeah. And she, but but does she go to these places? Did she her go mind to Romulus? Does. Did she? Her yeah. mind does. He does said she, that they can only go ninety light years. That we're in on Earth, and then Romulus. I, I don't. I guess I don't know. I completely understand distance. We and, also see a preserver's obelisk scale, which is a whole different thing. But right, um, but isn't Romulus like? Aren't they in a in a like blackout state right now? Yes. Like we don't know anything about them. We don't even know what they look like on a video screen. We just right. we've heard of them. Like right. the Vulcans have heard of them. I 
I wonder if he was just listing things because I I don't think what we did see we saw Delta Vega which is from the original series we saw a preserver obelisk which could be anywhere but what they did see when he said Romulus it didn't look like Romulus it just looked like some pillars um I I wonder if he was just they were green they were green pillars were they green (laughs) yeah Yeah. I I first I again this goes back to my other problem with with the mind transport thing that just happened there and, and I I I don't like it but um. I think again, I'm seeing Lorca as a showman, and and that was a show for her. Um, we well, don't know she all could the still, implications. She could still hear him. Yes, so she's not there. They, I, I keep saying they transported her mind. I think that's what happened. Um, somehow, yeah. it's. I don't think it's holographic, but he even said, like, "Can you see where they've been?" I feel like because of these spores are all the veins and muscles of the universe. Oh, she's just like seeing the trees and. Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. You can, you can go. You can go where they've been. That's what I'm saying. This is a this is a a network of small things, and yep. wherever we wherever they exist, you can go. Yep. Well, I I, I really I mean, think I, that's. I think it's fascinating, guys. I, I don't know. I love you it. You guys think it's silly, but I think it's great. I I I'm I actually love the intrigued beyond intrigued. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I I think this, this Stephen is rolling his eyes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, I think I, I was hoping they could just hear it every time I do it. They just hear my eyes rolling around in my head. If you, if you hear audio. Stephen pausing, it's it's because he's rolling his eyes. That's what's happening. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> why why does Chris like this? Oh. I you I know, think this. Yeah. Uh, hey, if it wasn't Star Trek, I'd probably have a completely different opinion about the show as a whole. Yeah. Um, so that's you know I love sci-fi. I love the stupidest sci-fi movies. Um, Waterworld is one of my favorite. That oh, probably man. discredited everything oh. I've said so far. I don't I know why I love it. Say... I just love stupid sci-fi that doesn't make sense. But yeah. Star Trek is not just sci-fi for me. Like there is something far more special to all of these characters that they've established, all these worlds that they've established, and to just kind of throw that stuff out the window on this particular series because they're too good to just keep going with it like every other series has done is just sad think, to me. It's sad and insulting and like I feel betrayed. So I'm going to have a more of emotional response to this than any sure. other show that could possibly be out there. I guess I'm just more willing to give them the benefit of the doubt until I've seen some more of where we're headed. I would just I like, like to right see now, some good stuff. Uh, okay, Saru, Tilly, the ship. I think these... I think these first three episodes have been fantastic. I don't, I don't have a problem mm. with them. I mean, besides a few sequences that I had some real problems yeah. with and f- some few moments that were like, why? The trajectory of where we're headed, I think yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by, at least. The idea of a science ship that is conducting top secret science that is doing some things that no one else has done and there's a new person on board who was once very coveted and a very great officer and now has no idea what's going on. I think I, I kind of like yeah. the, the, the thing. And another reason why too, that I'm, I'm kind of, I, I like the sport thing. I think too, is because after Trek, you mentioned you watched a little bit. I can't remember if they said this at the beginning or the end, but this is, this is Brian Fuller's contribution. To that the was show. him. That was him. Oh, okay. He, he brought in the idea of these spores uh, and, and uh, wanted to, this is something he's like, I have an idea for where we can take the series. Here it is. And wow. so w- this is one of his major contributions to the show was this idea of these, these spores, these, whatever it is, whatever we're going to be getting. So I still don't know what it is, but I'm kind of a little more like, OK, 
Okay, Brian Fuller brought this to the I, table. I do trust Brian Fuller, I got to say. That, that actually recontextualizes it for me a little bit, and, and I'm yeah. uh, uh, he's it's Brian Fuller. I, it I is. do give it to him, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, I, I think we, that we know it's not successful, right? Like, uh, they don't no, have it in the you're future. Right. You're right. No, we don't know that, though. We don't know that. Well, we know that the is... warp drive isn't powered by mushrooms, so right. it doesn't make okay. it. Well, so oh, that well, kind of well, deflates any of the compellingness of this as a story element. No, I just totally disagree. They probably all die. Oh, well, I know. I I totally agree with you on that. I think obviously the discovery gets destroyed. Yeah. But I think they're successful in their mission. Yeah. I think it works for the for the task that it is laid out to work, and then nobody, the the whoever has this file shreds it, and then no one hears it ever again. Well, and maybe that lends credence to to the admittedly fringe fan theory that this is an anthology series. Yeah. Well, what I, what I really love, though, is, is that's the reason why I think this works is because if they're all working in top secret, at some point, something happens. even if the Discovery does something amazing, no one's going to know about it yep. in the Federation because what they're doing has to be compartmentalized and totally just what Discovery's doing, no one but a few people and the highest rank knows about on Earth. Yep. And I think that's why this will work is they can do some crazy things, do some nuts things. But no one's going to hear about it because they're working at a top secret level and they're going to erase what they've done or they're going to whatever they have to do in order to uh, to make sure that no one knows what they've done is, has happened. So that's why I kind of like that is, is that this is a uh, a ship that no one will have heard of, of in the future because it didn't exist. We, we, we haven't explored uh, the, the office. His, his lab. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't believe who, I skipped who that. Who wants to say I'm the sorry. most interesting I thing I turned in my there. page. Uh, you mean the Gorn skeleton that's behind mm-hmm. him? Yeah. Yes. Gosh. <laughs> we got something. So good. So good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, if if these creatures are coming from that other space, though, that kind of throws that theory out the window. Because unless the Gorn, the Gorn are an invading species. Reaches. They are. Well, here's the thing. Here's the mm. thing they said on After Trek, too, is is that the, the Federation has not encountered the Gorn until Arena. Oh, yeah. Right? We knew that. Yeah. Because we didn't know what they were. So, so... How does he have? How does he have a Gorn skeleton? Yeah. See, like this is this 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 guy. He know this captain knows more than what the average captain yeah. in the Federation knows. He he. This is that's what this is. Discovery is tip of the spear, very the front. You know the front of science, all that stuff, doing things that no one else knows, um, and gathering information and data. They're spying. They're you know all that kind of stuff. It is a man. It's it a is CIA, not the world man. that I want to live in. And I hope that I hope that the outcome of this series is that Starfleet learns all of its sins are like unworthy of the future and gets rid of them. And that's why we have the Starfleet we have. It's, it's called oh, it's I'm called sure. TOS and TNG. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, I actually that's it exactly happened. what's happening. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that's what this is. Is that this is a, a learning lesson, and we're going to go from. I, th- I think you're right, Stephen. I think that's what this is setting up to to do. Yep, exactly what to do. Yeah. I hope, I hope, <laughs> I hope, I hope they're not just reinventing everything, and this is the new Star Trek forever. I don't think so. I I really don't think they are. They do have enough writers that I, that I do trust, and there's some names I I don't know, but. Uh, that I think are really trying to preserve that, but lead up to it. it. You know, make us rethink exactly what you're saying. Rethink 
that utopian future that I mean, let's be honest, you know, the original series, yes, there's a lot of high-minded stuff. There's a lot of things that the original series was still messing up. They yeah. that prime directive that they talk about sometimes, they break it all the time. And and they yeah. are, you know, they're dealing with uh, you know, lots of moral questions and and things like let that be I, I could do a tons of examples but let that be your last battlefield where he lets them he lets the war rage on a planet because mm. they haven't learned you know they they haven't decided to to get themselves out of it he's like oh, all right well i guess your planet's gonna die then have fun yeah. um you know picard would never do that you know so it's i think each series we do get these questions of of what is truly star trek and and they're essential questions um but I, th- yeah, I, mean, I really want to give them that that time to work that out. The attitude that you have, Stephen, towards the series is the same attitude that the TOS fans had towards the next generation, the first several episodes of TNG. Maybe. Um, and Maybe. so we all had formula... problems with the first three episodes of TNG. Code <laughs> of Honor was in there. Well, the f- but I mean, uh, like even for even for the first season, yeah. or even two seasons, or yeah. three seasons of of TNG. Th- season three is when it really yeah. look honestly. If you look at TNG, it didn't get great until season three. Right. Season three and four, parts of five, are some of the best television in history. Here's, here's yep. the one thing that it did do, and even did it in the very first episode, was it had humanity hold up a mirror to itself yep. and say, what is wrong with you? Right? Yep. And look at these people. They have, they have elevated themselves past this. They are right. better than you. They don't have these triv- trivial squabbles that you in present time do. It was like a hate message to present day. And this is doing it now, uh, except it's mirroring exactly the sins that we are currently doing. And But that's, you know, that's Star Trek. That I mean, is, Star Trek has always held up but that But no, that's the wrong way to do it. You don't, you don't exemplify it by the people that you're telling everyone else to like, exam, like be like, right? Yeah. Like they are being the horrible people. They beamed onto a... a, a a guy's ship and murdered him. They put a bomb in their like saving of the dead. Like these are like gross, nasty things. They're developing bioweaponry and they're stealing prisoners and making them disappear. This is, this is horrible. And it's currently like, that's something you could say is going on today. And everyone be like, yep. Okay. But Starfleet and Star Trek are supposed to be a depiction of something so much better. So much more wonderful. Um, so just as we as we wrap up, uh, everybody, um, feel free to keep up with us on Twitter. Um, we love the conversations that we're having with people there. We'll hope you know hopefully put up some more polls and some images and um, some of these articles that we've been talking about here. Uh, we'd also ask, why don't you guys uh, to go onto iTunes, give us a, a rating on there. You know, we'd love a five star, but you know, be honest. Um, hopefully, not too brutally honest with us, but um, give us. <laughs> Chris is saying no. Just give us five stars. Don't don't be honest. <laughs> just, just just tell us you love us. That's right. That's, we would appreciate it. There's one that's moment right. that made you smile. Give it five stars. There you go. Exactly. That's all. That's all we're asking for. And uh, yeah, just just keep tuning in. We are we are loving the response that we're getting and loving uh, interacting with you guys. So thanks everybody, and uh, thanks Steve for being there with us. Stephen for being there with us. Glad to be here. 